so many people would buy t-shirts and clothing and then probably wear it once or twice and that be it you touched on a really good point which is durability and I think at the price point that we offer it's important that you see that value and a large part of that value is based in, in durability buy less buy well is our mantra everyone wants to learn how to box because hitting stuff's fun Doing something fun means you go back for more. And you feel so good. At the end of any session, you feel great. You've got everyone from every single background possible. Boxing has been good to me, and I can just see that boxing is punctuated at its root by respect and inclusion. Now, that respect comes naturally from potential hurt lurks behind every punch, and just knowing that breeds humility and respect for the person in front of you. And then inclusion for the fact, as you say, everyone and anyone's welcome. Everyone and anyone can hit. It just doesn't matter where you come from, what you sound like, what your colour is, what your creed, religion, anything. Boxing is a sport. It's the biggest leveller that there is. So have you always been in business? Since university, I did business studies at university mm. with languages. I did French and Italian. Um, oh, wow. For an international career in business that never happened. Uh, stayed in London. But... Uh, <laughs> I haven't always been in business per se. I mean, I've worked for other people. I now work for myself, obviously. Um, but I did, I've done uh, hotels. I've done financial services. Actually, when you say you've always been in business, I, for some reason, I, I think financial services. Mm -hmm. So the answer is I haven't always been in financial services. Mm -hmm. But now, obviously, I'm in clothing, broadly. What got you into it? Because I stumbled across Real Power mm. One. I stumbled across all of that out of nowhere. Maybe right. I commented on one of your things because I thought you had a Good. really cool T-shirt. Yeah, um, you like the look of it. Yeah, and ever since, I've just been chatting with you, haven't I? It's been a few months exactly. now. Exactly, that's true, exactly. Um, so what got me into it? I've always felt like a kid in a sweet shop when I'm in a sports apparel store. I look at a piece of clothing and I get inspired. I'm like, oh, I want to be wearing that out on the track now or in the gym doing this with that. Um, so I've always loved sports clothing and, and picked my brands quite carefully as well. Mm -hmm. um, what brands are they? So um, I love I love Castor, um, which is a premium British brand for like performance sportswear. Um, then I love uh, Issa Aura, mm -hmm. American like technically orientated outdoor clothing, uh, streetwear inspired. I've never heard of that one. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm. Have you ever heard of Castor? Just out yes. of interest. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they're blowing up and doing really well internationally as well as in England. Um, I love, uh, I love Feeler, and I love um, what's been reinjected into the brand. It's like they've revitalised it because mm -hmm. it, it, it had quite a bad few years, didn't it, Feeler? Yeah. At one point, it was sort of stereotyped as the brand that I don't know. There was, there was bad stereotypes. I agree. So yeah, it felt like the brand has slightly died, and someone re revitalised it, breathed life back into it. And then you see Fila like doing um, collabs with people on the catwalk and it's high fashion suddenly. And mm -hmm. anyway, it's back. And I always thought Fila was quite cool. Mm -hmm. um, what else? What else? I mean, the list could be long. Have you always been in brands growing up then? Did you always like how you looked and like, always sort of look at other clothing in, in a certain way? Yes, it's the straight answer. But it wasn't something that I ever thought there was enough emphasis on to be of more interest than other things necessarily. I was just, I just liked it. I loved Nike. I loved Adidas. I loved all the sport brands. Mm -hmm. uh, I would see my brother wearing a hoodie and think, yeah, I want one of them. I want mm -hmm. to wear that. That's cool. Um, and I always liked the idea of boxing. Um, it just sounded cool. And I remember being totally swept up in the enthusiasm of the Tyson-Bruno fight in first one, 89, I think. Mm -hmm. I remember being in the back of my dad's car, just like, there's a fight on tonight, and I'm going to stay up, and I'm going to watch it with dad. It sounded so good. And um, then they didn't do boxing at my school, and I didn't think to go and seek it out. 
I wasn't really encouraged by my parents either, so it's not this their fault, but it wasn't something that happened. And as soon as I left school, age 18, and went to Manchester University, I sought out the nearest gym. And I suppose the rest is history. It was just epic and enthralling workout and mm-hmm. hooked on that ever since. What so, gym was that? So, Which gym was that? It was called uh, Champs Camp in Mossside in Manchester. Okay. I wish I could remember the name of the guy who ran it. Um, there's so many but, good gyms in Manchester. There's yeah. so many good gyms. And yeah. there's so much talent up north as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, producing a lot of good talent. Yeah. How did you find it? What was your first session like when you walked into the gym? Yeah, I felt a little bit like I'd been picked up and plonked somewhere completely unfamiliar. And Moss Side had some quite dangerous connotations, you know, but and it was always after dark and but and it was a boxing club, so it's quite a sort of confrontational in concept. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going in there, are they gonna want me to fight? Who am I gonna fight? Are they gonna beat me up? You know, you're naturally a bit nervous, but um, the training would ensue. It was high intensity. Before you knew it, you just focused on getting done what you had to get done in front of you uh, and dealing with the here and now. Um, at the end of the day, although the trainer seemed to be quite a ball buster, he was just trying to make you perform to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. I did get hooked and it was a lot of camaraderie sharing like technical tips with how to hit better, proper when you're in a certain stance as much as it was about how hard, hard it is, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially, I think, once you understand just how bad you are at throwing a punch and yeah. just, just the whole process of it, like, you're not naturally going to be able to throw a good jab and a good, good right hand. So to, to go there, realise just how good other people are and look at them as inspiration, mm. you are hooked, yeah. I was, I was the exact same. Yeah, it's so true. It's funny. You think you... Uh... Anyone could throw a punch and you feel like there's a lot of vigour and venom behind it and mm-hmm. you feel powerful. And then you sort of look at the technique in the mirror and again, you probably still think you look good. And then you look at someone else doing it proper and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, Exactly that. Did you yeah. have any fights? Uh, yeah, I've had four. four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh, most recent one, sadly, the opponent pulled out. He got busted ribs in sparring, so legitimately had to oh, fold, which uh, that's the fight game, right? But yeah. How yeah. was the competing, though? Competing side of things. Well, that is a great question because that's really what brought me to combine my love of boxing and clothing. Mm. Um, but it taught me a lot about myself. So going to the ring, you know, I would often be full of worries or self-doubt. I wasn't cut out for the fight. You know, I was nervous about getting hurt. But like fear and adrenaline turned out to be um, elation and exhilaration at the end of it. And I was hooked on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really it made me realise how much further I could go and as long as you could just control your emotions or fear, you were always generally all right. Yes, mm-hmm. there's a bit, there's a risk assessment to it, but um, keep your wits about you, stay focused, and it's a pretty real experience. Did yeah. you manage to control your emotions? Pretty well. Not in my first fight. No, I'd How did that I got, go? Oh, I lost it. Is the straight answer to that? Um, I forgot the adrenaline bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't control it and started doing the windmill which is what might happen mine <laughs> <laughs> was the that. exact same yeah, yeah. I lost the first, I couldn't feel my legs I trained, trained my ass off all week leading up to it thinking yeah. that would make me fitter on the night mm. so that that on top of the adrenaline and the fear and only boxing for like a couple months I, right. I my legs were like lead yeah walking in Knackered. I could yeah yeah oh god yeah. walking in I felt like I'd already had the fight and then, yeah, it was just sort of surviving there, throw straight punches. I only lost on a split, but if you see it, it was terrible. You know? Right. It was just like a, a street fight, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 that sounds very familiar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd, I'd done uh, training for a couple of months as part of a programme that the show organiser had put on, but I was never expecting, no one ever is, the reality of what it's like when you hear ding, ding, and it's like chastening in your focus mm-hmm. that this guy's in front of me. I can't control that. I can control me, but... 
now I'm scared and I've lost control of myself. You mm-hmm. and, and you uh, load up on every single shot as well. So you were probably yeah. tired after the first round anyway. It was all over yeah. <laughs> before the end of the first uh, round. Okay. And how was the second fight? Um, much better. I went over to Wildcard actually to get a bit of training under the belt. Mm. Um, took some well needed holiday from my work at the time, and I thought I know exactly where I want to go and what I want to do with this holiday. Went to Wildcard, didn't train with Coach Roach, but found one of the pros in the gym and um, got some sparring in, sparred a couple of Mexicans, you know, it was all fantastic. But I put in the hard graft. Mm. I knew how to control the adrenaline or what to expect better and it came out with uh, a much better result. Brilliant. What an yeah. experience. How was that whole journey in America, even just being around the pros at the time? Yeah, it, it was fantastic. I mean, just feeling like you were in the home of, of boxing to some degree. Uh, I mean, boxing has a huge bias to America mm. um, yeah, in general, certainly in the last 50 years. And wildcard throughout Freddie Loach, Roach's life has become a de facto place to go, um, you know, pinnacle of training. Um, but you get there, it's a pretty straightforward gym. Yeah, mm. you've got the pros downstairs, but you've got access to anyone, i.e. I'm anyone upstairs. You pay your five bucks. Is that it? Yeah, five bucks a day to get in, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm guessing back then as well, it's probably only, what, £2.50? Well, uh, I mean, this was 2017, so Tyson Fury was oh, training okay. for the Wilder fight at wildcard at the time ah, did you so see him i did a few times yeah yeah, yeah. i spoke more to his entourage than him mm-hmm. but i did say hello to him a couple of times before he disappeared into the pros how, how did it feel to actually just be in his presence seeing someone that big that that's a really good point because he's got such long chicken legs um <laughs> unbelievably long and tall yeah and you know that i don't really get the sort of athletic um prowess here mm-hmm. um but also he wasn't wasn't as big a deal then as he is now. I know it's only five years, but it was before the first fight with, with mm. Wilder. And I don't think my just sort of attitude to Tyson Fury was quite so sort of um, respectful or I just didn't know what who he, what he was about yet. He hadn't proved himself at that point. Basically. Yeah. yeah, so even though he was world champion and everything else, mm. there was a lot behind his name, which, you know, now you look at him, you know, he's, he's like yeah. a god to some people, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I want to ask you this. If he finally fights Anthony Joshua next year, mm. who wins? Oh, Fury. Yeah? Yeah, conclusive. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I love Joshua. What a consummate professional. I love how he goes about his training. I love listening to him when he's lost because your attitude to loss and how you deal with it is a hugely important part of the game. Boxing is as much mental as physical. A lot of that is bred into my brand. But before I deviate down that path, I think that um, Fury's so smart sets up loads of traps his height and his length are just almost impossible for another heavyweight uh, in the division including Joshua to mm. out, outdo him with yeah and his, his feints and how he can switch yeah. obviously everyone used to think he couldn't knock people out and he would just box in his back foot but he could plant his feet he could box in his back foot he's constantly fainting yeah yeah he's um smart exactly you say fainting fainting yeah difficult Always. to read yeah. you, you never know where he's going to go and then yeah. before you know it, he's one like the uppercut on dillian white that's right i'm um, come what out of nowhere shot. really yeah he'd come out of nowhere like he, didn't, he hadn't really landed any uppercuts the whole fight yeah and he just pulls it out because he obviously knows that white's coming down with his chin down it's yeah you've either got it or you haven't really yeah fury's got it yeah i think he really does 
Yeah, you made me think about the white fight, and you're right, that right uppercut was such an execution to finish the fight. It looked like White hadn't really done his prep, if you ask me as well. Mm. Like, if you're going to fight Tyson Fury, okay, there aren't that many people out there you can ask to come spar with you who are six foot nine, mm -hmm. but you should be sparring with someone who's at least taller than you. And it just didn't look like Dill had, had prepped his game plan at all to deal with someone that long. Yeah, well, he was singling, yeah. he was throwing single jabs, mm. and when he was getting into range, he was staying there and not landing any punches. Yeah. So, for a, obviously, it's easier said than done like let's face it yeah. most of us will never land a punch on him yeah. like but it was so frustrating seeing white get into range and then just not throw his get like his hands a rabbit in the headlights oh. when people say yeah yeah exactly frustrating yeah, but it looks yeah. like it might be Dillian white anthony joshua next possibly that'll be a good rematch yes. that was a great fight yeah and that will be that'll just be an all-out war because white's got nothing to lose now really that's a really good way to put it yeah Toe-to-toe. I mean, went from last time. There's no love loss between the two, yeah. Although I think Joshua probably beats him easier this time. As much as I love yeah. both of them, mm. I, I think there's levels and Joshua's improved a lot more. Mm. Whereas White, in his last few fights, he's like, what, like the other weekend. White versus Franklin, that was a well, questionable decision mm. as well, a lot of people said. Okay, I uh, haven't watched enough of it then. I was watching it live for the first few rounds. I remember now I didn't watch the tail end of the fight. Did you watch the Fury um, Chisora? Chisora. Fight? Haven't rewatched it. No, oh, okay. no. I was I was out. Yeah, yeah I was uh, in Maidstone seeing my family the okay. weekend, and there was a live band on where my dad was in in his like little village pub, yeah. and um, I managed to get in to get some Wi-Fi and watch the fight. The nice. But it was an yeah. exhibition bout. Yeah, I think that's what it almost always promised to be. Yeah. Chisora, what an unbelievably successful man in the right place at the right time, mm -hmm. several times. Yeah. yeah. It's, it looked like his mate sorted him out. A really good business deal. But for can the you imagine, third time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, can you imagine paying £25 pay-per-view for that? Yeah. No, exactly. I, I hope, I like to think that most people saw that coming, you mm -hmm. know. Um, Fury had to have a fight to, to turn him over and it was like a fill-in fight, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and Derek sells sells tickets because he comes forward yeah yeah so you've obviously been around so many boxers with your brand and your company mm. since what what sort of been your journey from the start did you just start in your local gym and say oh, i'm gonna start making some clothes so uh, i'd been on my journey to the ring myself the first time which we mentioned earlier and i'd been in lots of gyms around london um where i'd noticed that everyone was wearing what i'd call the same thing which was either nike adidas under armor or like um, Lonsdale, Everlast, and Box Raw. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk too much about Box Raw, but they've taken off and they're doing very well yeah. and they're very like, specific to the sport of boxing. Um, we are inspired by boxers, but let me, before I deviate down that, explain that I wasn't seeing anyone. I, I saw a gap for something premium. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a gap for making really good clothing with all the performance features um, at the heart of the garment. Um, and making something just a cut above, which would be broader and transcend the sport of boxing. Like single participant sports is what I was aiming for. Mm -hmm. Because for me, the kind of the anchor to our brand values, our brand itself and its identity was that boxing is as much mental as it is physical. So getting inside that conversation about where you are mentally when you're competing on your own, it's you and your body against someone and a point to score or whatever it may be, whatever game you're playing. Um, so I was inspired by boxers and mm. hence the strap line. We make high functioning sports gear, but we're inspired by boxers. That makes sense. And also yeah. there's a lot of clothing that 
it's, it sort of counteracts when you are training. So we said off air, like your flow AT you sent me, mm. it fits so well. And I sweat so much when I box. It's just pretty natural for most people. It's a sweaty sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when, when you're wearing like a, a thick cotton top or like these ones here that are for just basic sales or whatever and mm. giving out marketing, they're not the best for training, these ones. So I'm currently sourcing my own um, for training tops and things. And yeah, like you've you've nailed you've nailed the... Um, the fabrics or can you go into detail Amazing. on that because there yeah. might be some people that might nerd yeah, out on it absolutely yeah okay so we try and pick the best fabrics that we can possibly find from European mills it feels important to be um, having having your mill and your relationship with the, the mill the, the factory uh, in Europe because I feel you get a much higher standard of transparency and sustainability or a topic of conversation around sustainability is much more a priority for them than to put it in comparison perhaps further east pakistan india china mm -hmm. um but paying the price that we do automatically puts uh these fabrics at a premium mm -hmm. um and we're looking for fabrics with all those performance features that i've alluded to which are you want it to be light you want it to dry fast. You want it to be strong to accommodate vigorous movement with a sport like boxing particularly. Um, and you want it to be breathable so you stay cool. So we're looking for a fabric that offers those four performance features fundamentally. If it doesn't have all four, then forget it. Um, so we're selling, well, we're building highly functional clothing. What was the process on sampling? On sample, okay, so you approach a mill. Um, let's name some of the best mills out there in Europe. You've got Schurler, you've got Ponte Torto, you've got Borghini, and maybe Mectex. I'd say those are the four preeminent like fabric makers that have the, the best technical advanced range. Mm -hmm. um, and you approach them, and some charge you for samples, some don't. Of those four, maybe all of those don't actually, but some will. They send them to your door. You, you, you say to them, mm -hmm. I want a blend of polyester which is strong light durable nylon also adds durability um and then some elastane in there for pliability mm -hmm. um and you start playing around with a percentage of each of those and work out which one feels the most comfortable on the skin which one continues to be the most comfortable because it dries faster stays light and breathable during um high intensity exercise but within a certain range you're getting down to 10 to 20 fabrics probably from each of those mills that could be right and so it's a certain amount of yeah it feels a bit similar to the last one i'm not really sure what the difference is there uh -huh. but you know then you then you've got to work out i'm getting a bit technical here with, with regards to actually making clothing you gotta work out how many meters you're going to need to produce whatever item it is that you're creating then what are the minimum order quantities you need in order to be able to order that from the mill and then if i want that many meters of it I'm going to want three colours, and it starts, all these iterations and variations start to become quite complicated. Mm. And how mm. do you actually decipher through it all? Do you, um, do you sort of narrow down the fabrics and then you order some T-shirts with it, or do you create the tops yourself? So we, we get a, a designer who creates a technical pack, um, which is a set of instructions that a factory would understand mm -hmm. to produce the, the item. Let's just say it's a T-shirt, keep it as a simple item. Yeah. Um, you go through a sampling process, you've designed it, you've given the factory the set of instructions, you tell them what the fabric is, chances are that that fabric mill will just send the fabric direct to the factory uh, rather than to you, me mm. in the UK in this instance, and back to the factory in Europe. We get all our stuff produced in Portugal. Oh, nice. uh, we've got a really good reputation for high-end technical garment development. 
um, all done outside Porto in the north. Um, and then the factory will produce, predicated on your tech pack, a, a sample and send it to you. And that's when you have a chance to, to try it on, mm-hmm. stretch it, test it, um, see how easy or, or not it snags on things and, and, and then decide uh, whether you want it to be tighter, looser, longer, you know, you refine mm-hmm. it to, to your fit. And I've got a fit model, which, you know, like my perfect large, my perfect medium, perfect small, extra small, extra large. Yeah. Before we go any further in the podcast, I would just like to thank the proud sponsors of Not Just Boxing. Not Just Boxing is proudly sponsored by Titan Boxing. Titan Boxing is a UK fast-growing boxing business. They do personalised gloves, pads, T-shirts, everything. They've got UK free shipping. Go check them out with the link on screen. Gymfluencers.com are proud sponsors of Not Just Boxing. They are the premier health and fitness website. There you can find supplement discount codes, freebies, giveaways, a macro calculator. There's all sorts on there. So go check them out at gymfluencers.com or check out their at on Instagram at gymfluencers.official. The ham wraps. They're yeah. They are unreal, your ham wraps. Oh, please They're just brilliant. I need yeah. to get a picture of me wearing them, like you said, but I've not really been boxing too much lately because of injuries. Yeah, fair. Uh, <laughs> but, um, Got some with me today. How, how did you uh, source the ham wraps? Ham wraps. So um, I found someone in Pakistan that's truncating the story a little bit. Um, went through quite a few people of asking what they do, how they do it, how sustainable their practices were, uh, where they source their fabrics from, etc. And I found this guy in Sialkot, which is FYI, the ninth biggest city in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And I think they have got a good reputation for like manufacturing clothing specifically. Um, and this was a martial arts company. And I, I knew I wanted wraps that were long enough. Like I think I've got big hands um, and most boxers that are going to hit the heavy bag, hit anything regularly, want that extra length they want extra protection whether it's to keep the wrist aligned or protect their knuckles on impact was it four and a half meters it's four and a half meters yeah yeah Yeah. and uh the first sample that i was sent was not stretchy enough because i like that stretch so that you can have a more precise weave Mm -hmm. and it feels more comfortable and light um so we added a bit of weft into the fiber in the creation of the hand wraps we ended up with with the product i was happy with um Mm. colors wise i'd already done my branding that's a slightly different conversation but you can see what they look like the first thing people notice is visually you know the the colors Mm -hmm. people say they look like gucci (laughs) (laughs) gucci looks like real power that's right yeah they're better than gucci they're real yeah Yeah. Uh, and then you said so your company's got a big ethos and yes sort of against fast fashion too in a way yeah, I th- exactly, Ash. I think it's really important to recognise that sustainability is obviously fundamental to the clothing industry. It's, I would say, without being cynical or like giving up hope, it's almost impossible to make an entirely green item of clothing uh, mm. that's sustainable from source to finish. Because of synthetic fibres have got petrochemical-based elements in them, it's almost impossible. But So you take the stance, right, well, what can I do? Let's be as green as we can without it being at the expense of quality and performance, which is really important to us. We are performance-orientated clothing. Um, But you just take responsibility. You know, you ask questions rather than assuming and make sure that your suppliers are doing what they say they do. Um, And when you get to the 
factory for the first time. Yes, thank you. Please take me on a tour of, of your working practices. But I also want to know where does that go from here? How did that get here? And who's making sure that you're cleansing the water after that chemical process, for example? Mm -hmm. So it's showing an interest in taking responsibility. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. so many people would buy T-shirts and clothing and then they'll probably wear it once or twice and that'd be yeah. it. But I think as well, when yours costs a certain amount and it is a mm. good quality, people are going to wear it more often and they, they're probably going to need that jacket that you've got on right now for, what, five years? It's going to last a long time. Yeah, you, you, you touched on a really good point, which is durability. And I think at the price point that we... Um, offer it's important that you see that value and a large part of that value is based in, in durability mm -hmm. we make good clothing great clothing built to last mm. um yeah you know buy less buy well is our mantra what's uh, what's been your feedback from boxes that you've had um everybody absolutely loves it i'm pleased to say and i'm being genuine uh, i mean i smile but I, it, it, it it's all good um universally um I'm wearing our tracksuit right now, which is built to battle the British winter, is how we market it. It's, it's in its elements right now because it's cold, it's windproof, it's weatherproof, it's super luxury next to skin on the inside. But if you're wearing this, you're not wearing it for long if you're moving around in the gym before you're a bit toasty. Yeah. You know? So this is like, it's high perform it's performance orientated, it's high performance all right, in terms of everything it does for you that I just mentioned, but probably best in recovery or walking, working your way to the gym. Mm -hmm. yeah. And on the way back when you're wet, and if you're, if you're, yeah. yeah, the amount of times in England like you go to a training session, if you've got to walk home for half an hour and you're mm. soaked, you're going to be freezing. The amount freezing. of people that get ill every yeah. year. Well, this time of year, absolutely, mm. yeah, yeah. And then, how did you get your branding anyway? What what was the process of that? Because for us as a business, yeah. when I've started with not just boxing, um, there's so many factors. There's uh -huh. so many ways you want to go down. It was quite easy for for. The logo to like be picked logo. and everything. Yeah, um, I love all the colours, the, the name and everything. But when it came to actually starting to get goods together and trialing mm. uh, different people, it was an absolute nightmare. You you can be on a if you don't know what you're doing, mm. you can be on a merry-go-round with the wrong suppliers, the wrong companies. Yeah, I've been on a few. So <laughs> learn by trial and error. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how's yeah. it been for you? Have, have you had it pretty good from the start? Have you been educated in? I've been educated, but it hasn't necessarily been good from the start. You've got to go down those journeys and making mistakes. I mean, that's where you learn your, your most valuable lessons, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You hear that being repeated again and again. It's so true. Uh, I had no prior experience in building clothing. Um, I have a designer that has, uh, creates a set of instructions in a technical way that a factory can understand, for example. Mm -hmm. I have a woman I work with who has 30 years of experience in men's performance sportswear specifically. Great. I, I need that experience because I don't know manufacturing. I've tried it, didn't really work, I didn't really understand it, got very frustrated. Okay, I'll hire some expertise to help me with that. Smart. Um, but in terms of branding or like iconography and colours and like how the brand represents, it's all it's all come from me. It's all my concept. Um, I'll be completely transparent. It might might be funny, it might come across terribly. But the reason why we ended up with red and green is that I'm a massive reggae fan. Oh, okay. Now one of the most sort of recognisable icons of reggae music or attached to reggae music is the Ethiopian flag, which is red, gold and green. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, OK, red, gold and green, love those, those colours. But firstly, having more than two colours can almost look a bit 
childish would be the word I'd use, mm-hmm. right? Having two maximum is good. It's simple. It's got more style than panache. Equally, I don't want people wearing sportswear to help them perform, have any association with Rasta smoking dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and your branding's not out there either. It's not, it's not like you've got Nike in, mm. in like huge letters or whatever. You're, you're very subtle yeah. with your branding, which um, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's different. Yeah, I think that's taken inspiration from other brands that I've liked, but it is really important to us. It's understated. You know, that's part of why the name Real came about because we just want to be known for what we're good at and we don't mind if that takes a while and we don't mind if we build clothes and don't churn them out every season following the sun, making pan-seasonal classics that are built to last, as I said earlier. You know, it's all just understated. It's all really good. Now, the trouble is you've got to convince people it's good at that price point to part with their money before Mm -hmm. they realise they have the value in their hands and it is good. But um, that's important to us. As I said, understated, subtle and styled by that. Yeah. And do you sponsor Mm. any fighters? The answer is, uh, it's a no, because we don't actually have cash to give to fighters. We've approached... you, don't, you don't have to sponsor with cash, by the way. You... Uh, okay, so, so so the second part of my answer was going to be, but lots of fighters wear our gear, mm-hmm. and they are obliged verbally um, to do a certain number of posts or put out some content per week or month. Mm-hmm. So so yes, then, yeah. thanks for correcting me. I didn't mean no, yeah, we're just not throwing cash at boxes. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Most people uh, nowadays don't don't throw cash in sponsorships. It's just, yeah. Have you got any good yeah. fighters on, on your resume? Any? Um, I, okay, I mean, I don't, I'm just wondering, for the sake of like publicity, <laughs> I'm wondering whether like a Jordan Thompson, for example, would like me saying, on a camera or on this mic, we can edit this out if we need yeah. to, that, that I'm sponsoring. But it's like a, a sort of soft agreement, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, loads of boxes wear my hand wraps, mm-hmm. gifted loads of boxes my gear, and they'll happily put a post up on their page. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my answer to how I'm sponsoring them, yeah. which isn't typically how I would have it's believed sponsorship good, worked. A good way of marketing, you're, you're trying to say. It's marketing, yeah. sure, rather, yeah. Because the way I yeah. see it is, uh, for example, I'm going to have some fighters next year that are going to have mm. not just boxing on their shorts, they're going to be wearing some of my gear. Yeah. Um, and then that will sort of be a sponsorship for media coverage and giving them our merchandise. Yeah. Um, so that's the route I'm going to be going down next year because, as you yeah. know, being in the game, there's so many competitors out there. Why pick you? 100%. Yeah. And you've got to give you've them the why. you distinct and you've got to give them a why. Yeah. Yeah. And your why it's is noisy. deluxe. Oh, my why? Well, okay, I mean, let's talk about my USP. I mean, I've already talked about the performance-orientated features of our clothing, technical fabrics, um, subtle branding, understated style, you know, inspired by boxers. So all of that as a combination is what makes us unique. Um, and our values or the anchor, as I say, behind a brand, what makes us, what we are distinct, is that boxing is as much mental as physical. And in that, is the anchor to all our rhetoric and our inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. we are fixated on the mindset and the mentality of performance. Yeah. And yeah. when you look at a consumer, they mm. want to look good, they want to feel good. And if you look at any decent boxer or any, any good sports person, mm. they always dress well, they're always smart, they always look after their appearance. Mm. So having a brand that can bring that, that's not the same as every other person in the room, like you said, when you stepped into the boxing gym. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a great niche in the market for it. Yeah, I'm glad you think so. Yeah, it certainly seems to have opened up for us so far so good. 
Uh, we want to be bigger and broader in our appeal. As I said, we're inspired by boxing. It's purposefully broad. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, boxing is is business. Boxing is a small world, but it's also quite a big world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be quite fickle. But yes, there's definitely a, a, there's there's room and a place for a brand with our USP. Yeah. yeah, and I remember you sent me a voice note, mm. and that 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 was actually what triggered me wanting to get you on the podcast. I was like, "You've got a great voice." Like, if I was I listening to this on Spotify right yeah. now, like it, it's you got one of those voices that that you could just listen to all day. Like, oh, you, you could read the news, yeah, and I listen. He's to nodding it. over there. <laughs> yeah, it? how good's his voice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was literally. I think that was when I said to you, "You need to come on the podcast oh, straight away." Tops. I remember it, Ash. Yeah, I was very complimented. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, I'll keep in touch with this guy. I don't know where it's going, but podcast sounds great. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, and you're tied in quite a bit with mental health as well, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, we, we fight for enhanced mental well-being. Um, we sponsor, we support uh, a charity called Place to Be who offer emotional support to kids in schools up and down the UK. That's our chosen charity. But we just find the complementary connection, uh, based on my own experiences of boxing mm-hmm. and, and enhanced mental well-being, whether it's just mood, keep it simple, mm-hmm. um, is phenomenally effective um, for improved mental well-being, yeah. Yeah, and um, you've done quite a few courses as well, haven't you? That's true. Um, I'm doing a mental health and exercise coaching course at the moment. Um, I've done an introduction to psychotherapy and counselling before. Oh, wow. Um, I'm a mental health first aider. Mm. Uh, luckily, haven't had to use that yet. Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, boxing's always been at the heart of the community and the values it instills and the benefits it brings to all those young kids that are a sort of learning vulnerable stage that boxing can steady them, teach them how to control their emotion, give them somewhere safe to go, somewhere where they're respected, somewhere where they can channel their energy. All those wonderful benefits that have been thriving at the heart of communities up and down the country for a long time mm-hmm. have now gone a bit more mainstream. Mm-hmm. And you've got the proliferation of boxing as this weekend warrior, sort of non-contact, like uh, recreational um, enthusiasm and all these private boutiques and gyms are opening up and down the country and everyone wants to learn how to box because hitting stuff's fun mm-hmm. doing something fun means you go back for more yeah and, um, and you feel so good at the end of any session you feel great and even if you're a beginner so, i think having your mindset on something like, and giving mm-hmm. yourself some goals something to work towards like uh, my dissertation was uh, on boxing the young offenders mm, sort of ties amazing. in with, ties in with mental health yeah um because most of the young offenders have mental health problems and problems at home yeah so like you said giving them a gym a place to place to go to somewhere that's diverse you know yeah. you've you've got everyone from every single background possible oh man, now you're hitting on like the cornerstones of our values as well but i mean boxing has been good to me and i can just see the boxing is punctuated at its root by respect mm-hmm. and inclusion mm-hmm. now that respect comes naturally from if you're going to put yourself in the ring like hurt potential hurt lurks behind every punch and just knowing that breeds humility and respect for the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. So when all is done and dusted after war, there's always hugs, there's always thank you. It's like gratitude and appreciation and humility. And then inclusion for the fact, as you say, everyone and anyone's welcome. Everyone and anyone can hit. And it just doesn't matter where you come from, what you sound like, what your colour is, what your creed, religion, anything. Boxing is a sport. It's, it's the biggest leveller 
that there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've, I seriously think it's it's changed so many lives. You can look at any mm. professional that could go down two routes. When mm. you're at a vulnerable age, like you're saying, mm. when you're 18 years old, you've got some mates doing drugs, drinking all weekend, and you've got some mates that are thinking, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sporty, athletic, I can compete here. Mm. You've got two choices, really, at that point. Do you, yeah. do you want to go down the route of partying and having fun short term, or do you want to try and make something yourself physically? Yeah. And people that pit boxing, as soon as you're tied in the gym mm. and you feel obliged to the coach and, and you've got that relationship with people there, yeah, it's it's something that a lot of people never have. Yeah. And the, listening to authority, you get a lot of kids that don't want to listen to their teachers, their parents. Yeah. If you go to a coach, the respect you yeah. have for them. Oh, you're touching on belonging now, which again is just such a powerful anchor to the sport, isn't it? I mean, belonging is universal, mm-hmm. but that sense of being at one with something like being on the bag or the pads where the inhibitions have just evaporated, you're just 100% focused on the now and what's in front of you, and it's just whatever pressures just slide and glide away. Yeah, mm-hmm. hit the nail on the head. I seriously think, yeah, the amount of benefits you can get, mm. even even if you turn up to boxing two days a week, two mm. days a week, the amount of people, the community, yeah. the, it's when you're in your 20s and 30s and you're not seeing your friends anymore and everything else, you've got a community there. Yeah. You, you've got your own... Your That's own niche, it. and it's not going to the pub. It's like a badge of honour as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in as much as sharing, like every, the tacit understanding, everyone knows how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But sharing that camaraderie you get in the gym, sharing the technique that you learnt, just how to up your punch and deliver power from a certain position, just a little bit more, mm-hmm. um, and the acknowledgement of yeah how hard it is and the laughs you have along the way, and how much yeah. confidence you get. Yeah, I, yeah, it's given me so much confidence. Big time. Yeah, before yeah. before I started boxing, I was fairly confident. But mm. if I ever walked into a room, I probably wouldn't wouldn't be talking straight away. But I don't really care where I am now. I feel mm. comfortable in my own skin because it's weird. But because I've been beaten up so many times in the boxing gym, yeah. and I've made so many mates in so many different countries. Yeah, um, boxing's always been at the core with of it. it. It's mm. always been at the core. Amazing. Yeah, and, and you're humbled. Exactly. You, you don't go out thinking, oh, I'll take him on. I've been boxing for 10 years. I'll, I'll beat him up. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's none of that rubbish. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you've got so much respect even for the average person, which you see nowadays. If people are getting in fights on a night mm. out, yeah. have they ever learned any type of martial art? Any martial art? Mm. Probably not. No, probably not. If you've ever got... Have you ever genuinely... Get, mm, what am I trying to say? If you don't have a point to prove, mm-hmm. i.e. you know how to defend yourself, you've enjoyed boxing, you've let all that stress and aggression out in a controlled way, you ain't looking for a fight. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your plans for next year? Obviously, you must plans be for next year. year. Yes, yeah, so we've got more products in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. We're going to come out with our first female uh, performance pieces. We hope end of March. Um, we've got a few items staggered in the pipeline for, let's say, March, September, and in time for Christmas next year. Um, we've got more designs i.e. in the production or development pipeline ongoing. So that's products. Uh, markets we're finding our way across the UK we've expanded outside London which was a good start to anchor ourselves in um, what is it like going to different shops outlets different shops? yeah so wholesale as part of a broader strategy is definitely in the plan um, having a couple of conversations with some quite well known retailers let's just put it out there bravely I aim to be available in two shops by um, Easter next year mm, yeah huge um, that would be really great. Yeah. And that's probably as much as I would state publicly for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that's brilliant. 
And yeah, um, what, like, if if I was to see that in a shop, mm. I'd definitely be picking up trying it on. Well, that's where it starts, isn't it? If you mm-hmm. can touch it, feel it, and understand the value behind that that price point, yeah, go. it's going to help yeah. a lot. Because doing it online, like going back to what we said at the start, yeah, you're putting a lot of trust into is it good? You know, like yeah. have you got many feedback uh, comments on your reviews? On your page? Yeah. Reviews, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You you touched on something quite valid. There is um, we send a trust pilot automated delivery to any one of our customers and ask them please send us a review or do a review for us for our trust pilot that goes public um we haven't yet put that on the website which is probably quite a good place to have it because i think there's a lot of comfort for your viewer that's uh, navigating the website and maybe let's say has seen the brand for the first time wants to see that or um that trust wants to yeah. get in the trust through the, the reviews yeah kelly from scumfort five stars exactly yeah, yeah. thank you kelly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's been a pleasure yeah. having you on mate a total pleasure being here i'll catch up with you soon